My One More Comics Podcast, episode number two. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Zach. I'm Richie. We're welcoming you back. Hopefully our first episode wasn't enough to scare you guys away. That's why we're back here with us. Um, We are still new. We're learning and getting into it. So uh, working on sound quality and uh, how to work uh, all this technology stuff for the fun of it. Uh, Starting off our episode, we'll lead off with uh, the news. Uh, This last uh, week was uh, Free Comic Book Day last Saturday on uh, May 7th. Uh, was uh, highly successful. We had uh, 18 artists in here, I think was yeah, our head count. Yeah, it was 18. 18 uh, local artists, uh, creators. Um, there was uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, going on in our uh, gaming room. We had uh, plenty of room for everybody to turn around and uh, see these guys. We had some really highly talented uh, artists, some, some uh, great looking work, some new stuff that's uh, not even uh, signed on to um, production yet. So yeah. uh, was really going there. And then on the flip side, over in the store side, uh, saw probably, we, we don't have a really good count, but probably saw between 900 and 1,200 people. Yep. Um, gave away tons and tons of free comics. Our rack started off the day looking beautiful. At the end of the day, it looked like the war zone. Exactly. Nope. We were pretty decimated. Yes, we were. But it was a, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a good deal of fun to constantly run into everybody to, to see the reactions. There's plenty of people we only see on the free comic book day because it is meant as a uh, promotional day is meant to get comic books in the hands of people that don't necessarily read comics all the time so in that level it's always a, a pretty successful with uh, seeing the different people when I arrived at noon it was a line out the door and the whole place packed inch to inch to people and Batman and Ghostbusters were standing outside so it was a crazy day for sure when it's... Richie arrived at noon I never saw him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no, I, it's, it's I believe he was here I, 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 I yeah, I'm a testimonial to him yeah. being here. Well, was, well, he talked to me. So uh, I, I, I do remember talking to you. Yes, I don't I'm remember talking fair. to everybody that day, but I do remember talking to you. Well, it's one of those things where uh, Keith and I, we run the registers, and when that happens, we don't remember Unless, or see yeah. anybody. I mean, we you see guys them, give we me some serious tunnel vision, though, yes, where you're just, do. next, <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah, next. I mean, Keith and I were there from 10 a.m. till... Would you say about three until we got a good break? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, there was a little lull in there and all this, but we bit. were solid and back there. I mean, it's keeping the registers flowing and going is exactly what me and Zach try to, to focus on because nobody wants to wait in line. That's no. the boring part. Uh, yeah. Talking to artists, a lot of fun. Seeing Batman, seeing the cars, a lot of fun. Uh, even chatting with everybody else there, lots of fun. Waiting sucks. So right. our line, job is to kill that as that fast as possible. That line went pretty deep, but it still yes. moves pretty fast because it's wrapped around the store. Around the store. Yeah. And wrapped into the artist area, and wrapped yeah. around the artist area, and it, nobody. I don't think anybody waited real long in it. So you guys are nope. moving, uh, moving along quite well. Our artists. I mean, the short of that is simply thank you for showing up for those that did. It was, oh, yeah. it was awesome. Yes, it was. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great fun. Like I said, seeing everybody was was great. I, it's always fun for me to also the starting moment when we have a line out the door halfway down the block, kind of thing, and it uh, it amazes me to see people you know so jazzed up and excited for the day. I'm glad they're not there because we only carry like two copies of something and it's just gone. But uh, it's it's fun to see the passion from the fans Absolutely. and to see how it comes through on those days like that. So all the people that came out and made it a great time for us. Thank you. Special thank you to all those those 
artists, uh, cosplayers, uh, car people, everybody that showed up for, for the day and all this. Um, you guys really make the experience better for the uh, uh, customers who come through too and all that, so we always appreciate you guys helping out there. Here, here. Absolutely. Uh, also in the news, uh, we are announcing up our Rebirth event. Oh um, my god, it's going to be amazing. It has a major event on the horizon called Rebirth. Uh, we're real quick to point out that this isn't just a blow up the world, uh, everything gets thrown out type uh, event. This is a realignment and a rethought process about what are the fan favorite stories bringing them to you. Uh, we, on our side, for all the information we've seen ahead of time with where Rebirth is, what's going on, where where it's uh, headed, uh, we're pretty jazzed about it. Uh, yeah. And this isn't just uh, your salesman trying to tell you you need to do nope. this. The only thing I'm going to give you on the uh, sales side of things is, is that with the midnight release, uh, one of the big deals that they are launching there is the Rebirth Special. Uh, Rebirth Special is an 80-page giant. It is huge. It is full yes. of stories and starting points for all the characters and everything about the direction about where DC is going. And it is written by who, Zach? Uh, it is written by Jeff Johns. You know that guy? Uh, yes, uh, he's one of the best uh, comic book writers. Yes, one of the best comic book writers. And there are four artists that are going to be joining him. Uh, you can't get any better than Ethan Van Skyver, Gary Frank, Ivan Rice, and Phil Jimenez are the artists on this book. So it's all the heavy hitters right away, 80 pages. It's got to run 20 bucks, right? I mean, like, it's huge. It's right, all at least. the names. No, yeah. it is two ninety nine. Two ninety nine for a comic, and now in day this day and age, it's be yours eighty for only pages. Two ninety nine. Is it the nineteen sixties? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it, so it truly, crazy. Is. yeah, that Here, really is. Here's the lowdown on the real sales pitch, guys. Read this book. Check it out. It's eighty pages. It's the starting point of all this. You get to test the waters of where all these characters are. You can't really lose on this idea. You get to try it out. You get to get your feet wet. Just just at a real intro level. Uh, there's going to be plenty of uh, uh, different books that start up with a new Rebirth number one. That gets more in-depth and all this, but this is your a la carte, try it at the buffet, uh, get it all on type thing that you can get into it and see what you like and see if there are things that you want to check out on the other side of this. So we're super stoked about this. DC has announced that on May 24th, which is the Tuesday before May 25th, uh, free, uh, new comic book day on that Wednesday, uh, stores are allowed to open up at midnight and sell this book along with four other books. The Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade, which is the one shot, the part of the story that's going on right now with Dark Knight 3. Sweet! Justice League number 50, which will absolutely have a real big bang inside of it because if anybody's been reading The Dark Side Wars, you know that Batman knows something that he didn't know for a long time. In Justice League 50, DC said they're going to tell us what that is. Not going to tell you what it is right now because if you haven't caught up, here's your chance to get into it before it gets out there in the real world. Uh, Scooby Apocalypse number one. <laughs> We're all going to giggle about this. We're not going to even hold it back. But Sean was at Comics Pro in February, which is a retailer's summit that gets together and all of the uh, publishers get to get get to come to us and, and tell us their ideas, pitch their big stories and all this. Why am I bringing that up in Scooby Apocalypse, Sean? Because Jim Lee was so excited about this. I, he, I have never seen him more excited about a project than when he was explaining Scooby Apocalypse. <laughs> he was so jazzed. He was, he was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. And I'm doing the art. And I'm doing... 
I was he's just doing like, covers, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's, he's in doing covers. covers. He's in covers. He's doing covers. He did character designs. I believe. He did all the character designs. Yeah, but he was. It, it looked like he was a kid opening a present on Christmas when he was talking about it. That's how amped he was. So this is Scooby Doo. This is Scooby Doo. Yes, your Scooby game. Well, awesome. The apocalypse thing is—I don't know why they're calling it that much more than it's a brand new take idea. The uh, some of the little details we got out of the story so far is that this is a different version than just hopping in and seeing your, you know, uh, mystery machine uh, troop going right at it. Uh, The Fred and Velma have Daphne. It was, it was Fred and Daphne. Fred and Daphne, okay. Yeah. That is correct because I'm, I'm saying the names wrong. Fred and Daphne uh, were together and they are pulling the rest of the people together. Uh, they're, they're like, if I remember correctly the way it was described to me, they're they're starting to fall out of favor as far as popularity because they've become famous YouTubers. Okay. And they start to fall out of popularity because of that and discover that there's wrong going on in a corporation. And the corporation is genetically engineering animals and people. Uh, Velma is the one who actually comes out of that, and she's like super smart. Yep. Obviously, Scooby has been genetically altered, which is why he can talk. Okay. So they kind of give an explanation behind that. Right. Shaggy's been messed with so bad that he's he's a little fried. He's a little fried. Yeah. You remember so. when it used to be just those stars? <laughs> is that just what well, we next? <laughs> you can get back there. It's, it's there. It looks, I've seen the cover art for it, and it does look like a really intense take on something. You know, watching Jim Lee's artwork kind of morph into a cartoonist aspect is just alone kind of unique. Just like everything else in the industry, if somebody hits on gold, everybody else is going to try to capture it. DC's grabbing onto the success that Archie's had recently with right. revitalizing their line. And so this is, again, a little bit more of the modernized take, you know, when we say YouTubers and corporations as opposed to, you know, spooky old men at the uh, haunted house. Yeah, right. Meddling kids that would have gone away with it, that kind of stuff. You know, this is is a modernization of the tale, bringing it into a new light type idea. Um, So they're they're going down that road. And, you know, if it's it's done well, it can be entertaining. Right now, like I said, Archie sales are up. Uh, The Archie, the Jughead, uh, Betty Veronica's about to, to relaunch. Uh, these are real popular titles. And they also, you know, they, they did well with, with Archie about bringing in high caliber talent with that and all this. With Chip Sadowski uh, is on uh, Jughead, right? And Fiona was doing, Fiona was Staples doing was doing Archie. art on Archie. And who was writing Archie? It was, it was Mark Waite. Mark Waite. Yeah. 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 So we're talking about heavy hitters on that level. So why not have Jim Lee do your covers on Scooby Doo if he happens to be vice president of your company? Correct. So there's like so five, happens. six different covers coming out, different character covers and all that yeah. on this title and all. Uh, it's it's got possibility. You know, we'll see. We'll see where yeah. it gets there. In fact, give it a shot. Isn't uh, I First believe one. we've got one week from today. We're going to have some preview books of, for the DC. Um, I Hanna Barbera level titles and all this. There's I've there's seen a couple of the Johnny Quest yeah. and uh, the other it's it's Future Quest. That's Future Quest, sorry. It's, that's but it's have, those characters. They're, they're also doing the Flintstones. That is going to be written by the team that does. Um, I believe it's the team that does Harley Quinn, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Amanda Connor. Right. Um, they awesome. are also doing. Awesome. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's. Uh, 
it's like Wacky Crazy Land or something. Oh, uh, Wacky Racers. Wacky Racers, yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh, these are there's a teaser book coming out next week that kind of gets into this, so we'll know a little bit more about Scooby uh, at that point in time with the uh, the advertisement coming down the pipe. Okay. Uh, the other issue that's coming out that day is pretty important, and that's uh, Superman 52. Um, the current line of uh, all the Superman titles have been running the storyline Last Days of Superman, is that correct? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's the Fall of Superman. We go to our Superman so, expert. Yeah, exactly. I believe it's the, the Fall of Superman, but it might be Last Days, too. I, they've changed it a couple times. There's going to be a major realignment with Superman coming here on the other side of Rebirth. Yes, there is. Uh, it's all starting already. Uh, books that have been uh, last week's uh, Superman Batman. Uh, uh, Superman Batman, yep. Superman Batman title uh, went super ultra hot, sold out very quick. It's going to be coming back for additional printing. I believe they've announced that. Uh, but uh, that book is spiking hard uh, because it it, uh, potentially holds the first appearance of somebody coming out the other side of this. Also, uh, this week's book of Action Comics, um, all, our, our copies were already gone today. Uh, yep. One day into sales, all this is just uh, totally... Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, this it's, story uh, is, is hot. fantastic. Yeah, it's it's written by Peter Tomasi, uh, the guy who's going to be taking over the main Superman book after Rebirth. He did amazing with uh, Robin. Yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he did amazing runs on Green Lantern Corps. He did awesome on Batman. Batman and Robin, uh, and now he's taking over Superman, and this storyline has been great. Um, I won't delve too much into it here, but uh, so far all the pieces have been really good, and uh, I do think that it's uh, it's going to be really good going into Rebirth. I agree. Superman 52 has a confirmed by DC monumental plot element story change, something going on that if I said the word, uh, it would spoil the story. So um, it is confirmed it's inside that. It's going to be a big book. It's yes. a hot one out there. So Yes, it will be. Yep. DC offering this uh, Rebirth Midnight part release party, which we, again, are going to participate on uh, May 24th, 11 p.m. We will actually turn around. Uh, we're opening up an hour before we can sell the books. And the biggest reason is, is this podcast is going to be part of our Rebirth event. Uh, That's right. 2 yep. 11 at midnight, we are going to be sitting here and we want to hear your opinion. We want you guys to chime in and join in on the podcast. Give us a couple minutes of uh, what you think is going to be good and fun coming down the pipe. What are you looking forward to? Uh, we're looking for the positivity. We're going to be honest here. Um, we don't like uh, bashing out on something that we haven't read yet. Uh, we're going to give DC full benefit of the doubt on this program and let them show, let them come through and show us that what they're doing is is going to be fun to listen to, uh, fun to watch. So, um, if you've got good things to say about uh, DC uh, and, and do it, uh, by all means, uh, stop by uh, between eleven and midnight and uh, ch- chat with us here just for a couple minutes. Sure. It should be a huge event. We we've yeah. already talked about it. The website will have us. Some more information, but yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have punch cookies. We're gonna be talking about DC all night. We're gonna also announce a special sale for that evening uh, that will come through the Facebook page and our main website uh, the Monday before the event happens. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun time. We're gonna we're gonna really enjoy talking about uh, DC Rebirth. Hey, let's not leave Marvel out because they want to join in and pile on this this uh, bandwagon, right? Yes, Marvel is announced once DC said they were doing this special event and all this. Marvel says, you know what stores you can sell out all your Marvel product for the next day uh, starting at midnight also. So, if you want to pick up your Marvel titles uh, at midnight, they have said okie dokie to that. Yeah. Uh, good job, Marvel. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> I'm gonna say, you know, come on, let, let DC have their day. That's fine, guys. That's yeah. 
But uh, we uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. That's our that's our wrap on our new segment for this and all this, and kind of again flowing with the new structure of the uh, uh, system here. We're hoping to turn around and be able to give you guys good information every single week. We're going to lead right into our picks of the week. Uh, so these are all books that uh, had released last week, uh, been on the shelf and, and out there. We had plenty of time to read them and decide what we like about them. So leading us off. Sean, what is your pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week is Renato Jones, The 1% by Image Comics. It's created, written, drawn, colored, and owned by Kale, or Care Kyle Andrews. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Care. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> interesting book. I, I'm on a weird fence with this book. While I liked it and I enjoyed the story, the art was good enough for the story but it was it's interesting because even though I like the art okay there's parts of the art I didn't like and it would throw me off the book a little bit give me a, a synopsis about what this book's about so the story kind of takes place with this kid I'm trying I'll try to do this and be as spoiler free as I possibly can right. yeah. it starts off with a kid who gets to witness a horrific crime and then it leads right into a completely different setting so it's a little bit jarring because of that yeah he's very he's doing a very like tv show type telling of the story where you're suddenly in this really rich guy's boat there's two main characters on the rich guy's boat and one of them's telling him how awesome it is to be rich and the other guy's kind of listening to him um so without giving anything away there's not really a whole lot more i can actually say about the plot to this book it's you just you kind of find out that one of the characters is not exactly he's he's got other plans in mind there's a twist there's a huge twist <laughs> so the thing that caught me on this though is the cover is very striking because it's a yellow background cover and when you first open you know you flip open the first page there's a little bit of story in here and then you go to a blank dark page with a little silhouette outline of a little boy you flip the page again and you get to see the shotgun blast which i think is kind of cool because there's not a lot of artists that can pull that kind of thing off so that caught me really, really right away. It was actually the art that caught me on this, rather than the story. I'm mean, initially looking at it. I my mind goes art wise to, you know, a Sin City look. Yeah, it's very. It's got that Sin City or Hellboy type feel in the first little bit of it. But then you get past the first the first chunk, and it's completely different. The artwork is completely different. Yeah. So and that that's kind of what throws me because the art does look. I mean, you're going to hear some negative comments from somebody. <laughs> uh, maybe not so, so much negative, but just not as appreciative, I guess. But the artwork, to me, fits kind of what he's trying to do. And, I mean, he's trying to tell a story about taking down the super, super rich when they're corrupt. Uh-huh. That's, an issue. that's that's really what the story okay. is. Okay, so that's where about. we get to the 1%. Yeah, that's where you get to the 1%. The, the 1%. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I liked it, and I think this book is going to be a weird sleeper hit. And I dug the fact that they put all these crazy ads that tie into... That was, that was cool. Yeah. yeah, they tie into what the comic book is. And they're, they're like perfume ads or like car ads and stuff oh, like that in here. No, <laughs> set the ambiance of the... Yeah, so to where you're reading almost a fashion magazine. You're reading a comic, and then suddenly it's a fashion magazine. Okay, cool. They're giving so, you that sense that it's a rich person's comic or yeah, something like something that. something like that. So I, I enjoyed it, and I didn't I didn't know what to think of it, of it when I first started reading it. I will continue to read this book. I know somebody else will not, <laughs> which yeah. I'm kind of leading into Zach here, because <laughs> yeah. he's he's not as much of a fan. It's, well, I mean, it's it's not it's not even just that. It's one of those things where. 
Kara Andrews, his artwork, he's done some stuff that is just breathtaking. Uh, he's done some of the covers recently for Darth Vader that he's painted. They're and, awesome. They're very they're, awesome. They're, they're some of the best covers that, that have been on any Star Wars comic books. So, and I get, Sean and I have had this discussion about changing styles, and so when he's doing uh, his art in the comic, he wants to change it. Um, I personally am not a fan of what he does in there. And yeah, it's but really, I, can, I can appreciate anybody who can change art styles sure. and do it no, well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there's, not, well, there's not a lot of artists that can actually, there's a lot of artists that stick to a style. Like we were talking about Steve Dillon earlier. He's, that's his style. He's got a style. Yes. That's it. Yes, he does. He doesn't really change much. Yeah, no, yeah. JR, If you're a fan, you're a fan. Absolutely, yeah. But there's other artists who will change their style depending on what the book needs. Yeah. And I think yeah. for him, for this book, I think he, I, I think he did it just fine. Well, yeah, and, and that's, and like I said, that's a personal thing. I don't, I'm not, um, I don't think, I can definitely see why it is good. I can see why you liked it. I can see why other people would like it. Um, it's just not for me. I want, you know, for some reason right now, I'm really interested, and I have been for many years. I just really enjoy the the mythology of superheroes and, you know, good versus evil, that sort of thing. If I do anything different, it's usually science fiction. Uh, science fiction is usually the thing that's outside the realm. And anything else, political stuff, things like that, I, I just... I'm, I'm all over yeah. the board, political, whatever. Sure, I, sure. I, I, like I said, it all. for me, for me, this was a very political book, and that was something I'm not interested in. But, like I said, that doesn't make it bad. It just, this is not for me. I, I, I can understand what you're saying there. Care Andrews ran, had a run on Astonishing X-Men. That was not my favorite of, of okay. X-Men art. No, I couldn't you know, stand style. it. That, no, that particular run, I did not like it at all. Took me out of the story. Completely. Like that and all this. I can completely see it since that point in time. Like you said, I've seen some strikingly different styles. And there, I like you, I can have a lot of respect for uh, the difference in styles like that. So <clears throat> I can understand where this turns and, and can take you out of a story a little bit, you know, with with some stylizing like that. It, that's that's fair. That's a fair critique with it. Um, and but on, on Sean's side, I do totally see the, you know, that this could fit for for the stylizing of, of the book. Oh, yeah, so the story's trying to tell. It's, yeah. it's, this is definitely strikingly independent. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's its own thing in its yes, own it world. It is completely unique, and um, if you're looking for the change of pace, this book can really fit for that. Okay, anytime. Well, because if you're looking for something a little different, I mean, this is definitely a little different. And we're talking about when we're talking about artists that can change styles. Like the king of that to me is probably J. H. Williams. He can change and do some crazy stuff with everything he does. But you, you, you know, I, I try to tend to I tend to lean more towards that. I'm like. Well, I think that, especially with independent (laughs) comics, uh, I find that they do drastic changes like that and shifts like that to almost weed out and leave their audience. They like to create that niche that... Well, actually, a lot of times it's it's storytelling plot devices. Right. So you're telling, you might be telling a backstory, and you'll do the art one certain way, and then you're telling what's happening now, and that's completely different. Well, and it's a, it's a, it's a taste in comic book flow for most. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, and if you can't follow that flow of the comic book, then you lose the sense of the story, and if you lose the sense of the story, they don't want you as a reader anyway. 
they're trying to. Well, find I think them. they still want everybody's a reader. <laughs> they want to continue to actually produce comics and make a living there's, off of it for sure. A but it's comic book called. Uh, you're not going to get everybody. Well, but it's fair. It's fair to say that they're not going to turn around and sacrifice the way they want to tell the story that's true. to right. reach the masses, especially no, in true. an independent where I would think that in the big publishers there, there's a lot of compromise to the story flow if they would you know oh you're gonna lose a lot of readers on this shift or there's there's not enough describing this idea things yeah. like that yeah yeah i can totally see that so that's my pick um i don't know I if either you guys read it richie or i didn't get a chance i just found out about that. I, I flipped it but i you know i i i think that there's there was enough there that i kind of wanted to catch it at some point in time okay just browsing at it it looked like the artwork i would really dig um it reminded me of iron fist this last friend of iron yes then yeah. he, he was the artist on the one i was gonna say that's probably so, why right <laughs> so, but, hey, yeah. but his, yeah but the art style in there is actually different than even in here yeah but well again like i said i i dropped that book because of the art so um like I said, for me, it's just the. Uh, I'm not usually an artist. Well, I know. And usually, the, the funny thing is, like, he brought it up, and I didn't think about it until he said it. So, the fact that he did Astonishing X Men, that's when it clicked. I was like, oh, I hated this stuff. <laughs> I could not stand his art in there. But this, it's fine. Yeah. You know, the Star Wars covers you were talking about? Those yeah, are awesome. Star Wars covers so, and they're, they're all completely different styles. He's, he's done some stuff. Um, he's done some stuff in the early. I think it was the early 2000s, he's done some stuff for Marvel, and it looks nothing. And I mean absolutely nothing like what he's doing now. It looks more close to, uh, closer to, I don't know, just a, a regular comic book artist, like a... Tony? Yeah, like, yeah, like a Tony Daniel, yeah, something like that. And you're like, oh, okay, this is comic book art. And now what he's done is so drastically different. Um, so like I said, for me... He's uh, just carved out his, his little piece yeah, of what yeah, he no, wants like to do. Said, God yeah. bless. And, and there's actually a letter at the back of that book where he talks about that, about how he, he's trying to do something very specific with this book, and he understands that not everyone's going to get it, and that's fine. He does not take offense. He does not angry about that. He wants the people that are going to be on board to be on board, and the people who don't, uh, thanks for giving a tryout to the first comic. So he, he I'll knows. I'll definitely be picking it up. Yeah. That's fair. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, Zach. So moving on, what's your, what's your pick? Uh, so my pick was Punisher number one, yeah. uh, written by Becky Cloonan and with art by Steve Dillon. Uh, I am a big Punisher fan when he's done right. I agree I, with you. I, yeah, I think I think <laughs> that, uh, that I think that's when they do it right, it's it can be great. And usually, I have to say, it's usually when it's in the rated R mature category. So this book, this book, and this iteration is definitely not for kids. This is definitely going to be in that rated R, and that's part of, you know, just right off the bat, one of the things I loved about it. Uh, I love the writing, and I love the art. Steve Dillon's done a ton of stuff with Punisher before. He's done tons of runs with uh, Garth Ennis. He's come back um, numerous times to the character. But this definitely felt in that Garth Ennis vein. It didn't feel exactly like when Garth Ennis was writing him, but it's going to be in that same vein. Some of it was over the top. Some of it was funny. But again, the writing was smart. I enjoyed what she did to it. I was really surprised that she was the one who uh, wrote it because you know, I read some of her Batgirl stuff and some of the other things she's done, and this is totally different. Well, she, I thought she was Gotham Academy. She done, yeah, yeah. Gotham I didn't Academy. think it was Batgirl. I thought it was she Gotham did Academy. a little bit, I think, on on Batgirl. I thought in the beginning, but um, but I mean, it's different from anything that she's done before. Uh, the the basic story is. You know, it's it's kind of a basic Punisher story of they there's a group of 
drug runners, and the cops are trying to nail them down, and the Punisher gets in the way before the cops can, and then things ensue from there. Uh, basic kind of Punisher story, but the way that she did it, which I really enjoyed, is kind of the way that Greg Rucka did his run, which was the Punisher was always in the background. You don't stick with the Punisher all the time. You don't see what he's doing every second. Uh, I think it's like page five or six. You see him just cleaning his guns for a couple panels, then it goes back to what the cops were doing, and you just know that he's out there. But it's not always focused on him, which I thought was really cool, because that's what Greg Rucka did, and I really enjoyed that. But they still had the violence and some of the funny, over-the-top that uh, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon would do when they were doing um, their run. So it's, it's, like, it's a mixture of old and new. I think this is going to be a very good book if it continues on the same quality. Uh, if, you, if you like The Punisher or if you've never read The Punisher, I would recommend this. Uh, if you have read The Punisher but really want to get back to that quality like it was when they were doing The Max, uh, or you, you know, um, Greg Rucka's run. Even I would, I would definitely recommend this one. I, uh, I, I loved it. I can't wait to get issue two. Well, I'm not a big Punisher fan. I haven't read much Punisher out there. Uh, little bits and pieces here and there. Uh, I understand that. Uh, yeah, everybody will tell you, welcome back, Frank. You know, with uh, Dylan and Ennis is one of your big ones out there that you should read. But yes. for me, for somebody who doesn't have that kind of experience and all this. Uh, I hate to make it as generic as this, but help me relate it to, you know, like my, my movie Punisher or my other right. element or where, where I've seen him. Like, again, it's a comic book person, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, I remember seeing him in Civil War and how he was and sure. that and all this. So how do I, I get the gist of the Punisher. I get the, the revenge factor. You know, that, that's, I'm, I've been around comics more than five minutes. I get that part. Tell me where this fits into into a world to to kind of make it relate to something I'd, I'd care about. Well, I mean, so the thing that it's going to most resemble is going to be the Punisher on Daredevil Season 2. The way that he is in, in that... Um, the way that he is in that show is the way he's going to be in the, in the comic. They, they've tried over the years to do the Punisher in movies and in TV as sympathetic or having an arc. And Greg Rucka actually said something which was very, very insightful, was that Punisher will never have an arc. He does not grow. He does not become a better person. He does, be, he does not become a worse person. He is a force of nature for revenge, for justice that no one can get. Uh, that is what you have to do when you do the Punisher. Uh, so, and the criticism can be that you know, as a character, he's not gonna he's not gonna grow. He's not the the thing that you get with the Punisher. What I get that I love about the Punisher is the the cathartic nature of the character. Watching him take out the bad in the world, and and actually taking it out, and not you know not having he does have a moral ground, but it's not gonna be put him in jail and we'll figure out our legal system. It is it's bad, it needs to go away. And you know, there's a part I think there's a part of everybody that really wants to do that all the time. Is you know, you see something bad and you want to just get rid of it. Just for all time. So so that's where you get with the Punisher. Uh, and this is this is definitely gonna be in that in that Daredevil season two. Very violent, very um, to the point, he's not going to have a lot of emotional depth to his character. Uh, it's the people around him that's going to have the emotional depth. The cops, the gangsters, things like that, where you're going to get some shades of different 
characters, but the Punisher is always going to come at the problem, guns a-blazing. So. I would agree with that. I think the Punisher himself is a one-dimensional character, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as what a one-dimensional character gives you in the comic book realm is a sentence, and that sentence becomes almost like a legend. Yes. Like when you hear that the Punisher is going to be in a comic book, you're like, oh, the Punisher is going to be in this comic book because the Punisher is going to do one thing, punish. Yes. And it's great. Um, and I think that Deadpool has kind of the same thing where there's not a lot of depth to the character. It's a punchline. It's going to be a punchline. And if they're writing it to the point where there's a story and the punchline is going to be Punisher, then you will have a good comic on your hands. Yes. It's when they try to dive into what we already know about Punisher Yes. We know that he's not going to grow, and I think that it breaks the character if he does. It does, so. yes. And some and some writers and artists have tried to do that with uh, not successful, right. um, <laughs> not successful runs. But yeah, if you if you liked Daredevil season two, you saw the Punisher in that show and said, "I want more of that." Uh, the stuff by Garth Ennis, stuff by Greg Rucka, and this Becky Cloonan, Steve Dillon uh, issue so far, the first issue, is exactly like that. He's going to come at you hard, uh, he's, it's going to be violent, but it's going to be a lot of fun for reading. So Excellent. Well, it's a different flavor with Marvel Street-level characters than you get with Marvel superheroes. Absolutely. And this feels like it's going to be in that, in that vein, and it's going to stay really honed right there and not try to break out of its home. So, speaking of another character that seems to be the same, Richie, what was your pick of the week? So, my pick of the week uh, had to be this week was Batman 51. Uh, and I, I'm a huge Batman fan, and I know that every week I can pick Batman. But this one was particular because it was the swan song of the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run. And to me, they've, they've had this title since 2011. Yes. And they have done nothing but ship out gold every every month for it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just remove all of the additional Batman issues that Scott worked on with Timmy and, and, and them, but just focus on this Batman run. This Batman run has been, for me as a reader, the, one of the greatest rides I've ever experienced. Um, I've drooling every time I pick one up and every time he goes to a new arc it took me on a different direction, a different path with a message hidden inside it. And Scott Snyder is so good at that, it's scary. Um, he's actually really behind on that book. <laughs> it, I, I'll say this much, that he's speaking to you as the reader with all of his own flaws and yep. worries about him taking on the issue. So yep. it's like for the first time, I really, truly felt what it was like to be a writer to write Batman. Because he's expressing it to you as he writes the comic. Uh, all the way through Endgame. Endgame was a convoluted story about death and the ending of an era and things like that. And what it means to look that in the face and, and embrace it rather than run from it. And he did that all while doing an illustration with Capullo of Joker swinging a chainsaw on the top of the T-Rex head. So yes. that, to me, is... That's classic Batman. It's perfection <laughs> in Batman, exactly. So it's, They melt that really well together during right, that right. run. Um, yeah, like I said, yeah. I've just, I just recently read everything right. uh, because it ended, but yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think I'm actually going to sit down when the, next, when the last hardcover comes out and reread everything because I'm, I'm about one hardcover behind because I'm just, that's how I'm reading it. Yeah. I'm reading hardcovers as they come out. Which is probably great, so. to be honest, because I read it month to month and 
Well, yeah, and I did that too. I, I didn't want to anymore. Well, I, just, I wanted to wait and <laughs> save a sliver. Save right. a sliver. Well, and that's and that's one of the other things too is that I was reading it month to month, but also I would sometimes let them stack up, and then I would read them uh, together, like three, four, five, however many I had, and I I've always enjoyed it. But then when people like you, Richie, came up and said it's one of the greatest runs on Batman, maybe in comics ever, I really wanted to sit down and read it from right. the beginning, and I did. I grabbed the trade. And I've just been sitting reading it all from the beginning, and it is really good when you sit down and look at it. I mean, it's you can read it all the way through, and it's really good. So in this comic, it is essentially a goodbye, and it is a complete reset of his entire universe. He does, and I don't know if that was DC Comics, but if I had to wager a guess, I wouldn't put it past Scott Snyder to just want to reset the entire thing. So whoever took that takes Batman in after him can just take his story the way he wants it to. Well, writing Batman is is a custodial ship, right? You know, it's right. a you have to you have to treat this guy with with reverence, you know, he's got all this history, what you want to do and express and have something unique to leave a a Batman story worth, you know, talking about and all this. But you are still driving the company's Ferrari, yeah, and you can't wreck it. You're not allowed at all for this. So <laughs> that's kind of weird to put that. <laughs> it makes complete sense that you would want to wrap it all up to try to put as many loose ends to bed, so that the next person who picks it up can just grab Batman. Right. Uh, Batman, to me, always in stories has all has all, most stories previous to this have been not about Batman. Right. A bit about family. plot, story, villains especially, things like that. Batman always seems to be just him. He's always there and he's always part of it. He's he's the stable constant. Yeah, it's always his rogues gallery that got it for me. But in Snyder's run, um, Batman himself seems challenged, seems... Uh, uh, to be put through things and trials and tribulations and and the you know be, be presented, he becomes way more of a focus than in most other Batman stories that I remember. I would agree reading. that the Court of Owls was a complete love song into actual Bruce Wayne and his connection to Gotham City and creating a new villain so it doesn't have the, the cliche concept of the old rogues gallery where you're like, oh, here's Two-Face, what are we going to do next? It's Well, it felt very much like it was deliberately, the, the idea of the masks were deliberately blank. It was right. deliberately supposed to be faceless villains exactly. that you you're not so focused on you know this this one monstrosity this one crazy man this one crazy woman what this whatever it was yeah. you know and all this it was the the masses and that you could be up against the odds with with anything in that direction right. um, you've seen bits and pieces of that we saw Grant Morrison with. Uh, God, I'm going to mess on the name of the villain, but the pig guy. The, Professor Big or whatever. Professor Big, yeah. Mr. Toad. Yeah, like, yeah. but all these, other, all these other villains quite often carry a, a battalion of henchmen because there's no way one guy beats Batman, right? I mean, it's the same as, like, Superman. You know, like, he's, he's so big on this. There's no way. They have to have a whole army up against him. The yeah. Joker had to have his, his guys and that, but... Here's the core valves, which turns around and, and creates your perfect faceless. You're not worried about one individual person; it's the entire entity kind of thing. Yeah, so, and it's a challenge on Gotham of itself, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and I enjoyed that. And then you move right into Death of the Family, and you find another love story into Joker's psyche. And the Joker in love with Batman scenario is 
it's poetry. Different. It's just poetry to me. And there were hints, there have been hints for 75 years, and Snyder just puts it out there like, no, I love you, and I'm trying to make you stronger. That's what I want. Uh, yeah, I want my you to be my the purpose is here is to make you the best you can be. Love yeah. seems complicated then. <laughs> right. Yeah. You only hurt the ones you love. I guess that's it. <laughs> but, well, then, was it issue five? In the Court of Owls, where they make him delve into insanity and the book yes. flipped yes. upside down. And yeah. Do you know how many people brought that back to the comic book store and said, my comic book is messed up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had to explain to him that's actually how the and, book was. And like Richie was talking about earlier with your book, uh, recently Scott Snyder just came out in an interview and DC told Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, no, you cannot do that. That is, that is, too, that is too crazy. People are not going to get it. That is not going to happen in our uh, Batman comic book, our best-selling Batman comic book. And they said, okay, well, then we're going to walk off. And DC relented, and now it's one of people's favorite issues of the entire run. So that was a great issue. It was, and it ends upside down, yeah, <laughs> which is just great. Um, but to lean more towards this last issue, um, for those that haven't read it, obviously, if you've been following this Batman course you're gonna you're gonna finish here and it is a goodbye to you the reader and a thank you and a, a recognizing of what it is scott snyder is absolutely admitting he's not the pinnacle of batman writing and batman's much bigger than him and people will come around and be better and to open your heart to that and not lock it into if it's not snyder i don't want it he doesn't want that and i, I think that's really good of him and now that Scott Snyder's gotten the love, I just want to mention that Capullo's Batman. Oh, man. His illustrations throughout all of the books have been insanity. Well, what book did he cut his teeth on for a long time? The Swan? <laughs> yeah. 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 Which was a visual-based book. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, Absolutely. Story was way second place. Right, we're talking and that after after it was established. Right. In the beginning you had to know who Spawn was just so that you turn around and get this. But then after that it was it was art that drove that. Yeah. To be the predecessor of McFarlane, you have to be an image based artist. Oh, yeah. And and it has to be images that just take you from nowhere. Like any McFarlane cover I've ever looked at has always I've always stared at it for just a little bit longer than I've ever stared at other comic books. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same with Capullo. Every time he's illustrated Batman, I just look at it and go, I feel really bad for the next artist because I'm comparing, I have to compare it to that Batman. And well, it's just it's just like we say. If one of the strongest images and points was that upside-down world, that is the perfect marriage of story and visual together because you're getting both parts of it. It wasn't just oh look, it's cool art that all of a sudden is upside down. It was the spinning of Batman's world and turning topsy-turvy and things like that that don't come from without having the writing and the plot behind it. This book is not as successful with either with either one of these two guys missing. It's it's the it, it was the team up that worked. It was amazing. It's great. You're, you know you're going to be watching for years to come down. You know, oh, Snyder's going to be jumping on blah, blah, blah. Oh, is Capullo going to join it? You know, it, it's going to be that thought because it was so strong in that way. Right. You've got team-ups that work. You've yeah, this, got, is, this is the once-in-a-lifetime team-up that I think that anyone that will be talking about this for a really long time and people will ask, like, what stories do you want to read? And I mean, even though Scott Snyder doesn't want to admit it, I'll be hawking his crap forever. Any new cool. Batman person that... Any Batman kid growing up right now 
is going to ask me when I'm 50, what comic book should I read? It will be Frank Miller, but right after Frank Miller, it, <laughs> was will, be, for <laughs> it will be Scott Snyder. And it's that's going to be Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, but it will be that. That's uh, they read the killing joke. And then. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes into that. He, he put himself on the Mount Rushmore Batman easily, and they're solidified there. Mm-hmm. And Well, did he do it or did we do it? We did it. Right. And All good storytelling is the contract between artist, writer, and reader. Yep. Correct. And, and in this, it was a perfect marriage. I never argued once. It was fantastic. I just rode the ride. Even to the point where he made Commissioner Gordon Batman. And it was a story about what Batman is as a mythos. And I, I was fine with it. it. It was fine. So It's an easy pickup. If you don't have it, you're a Batman collector. You're not a Batman collector. So. Wow, caught the throne. Absolutely. <laughs> well, guys, that's our picks of the week. Uh, leading into now our content segment, uh, which we are going to title Spinning the Racks. Spinning the Racks. <laughs> great, great intro music that just happened here. <laughs> yeah, the, Spinning the Racks. <laughs> like, everybody's doing, I don't know. Spinning the Racks. Spinning the Racks. Spinning the racks. Let's go on. <laughs> but uh, what that was we, your flavor flame shout out. That was nice. Hype man, hype man. This week's content. Last week we went and saw Civil War, the yeah, movie Captain America: yep. Civil War. Uh, we're going to talk about it. This is a area where star, 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 spoiler alerts, we are getting into the nitty gritty about this. We're gonna talk about what we liked about this. If you've not seen the movie yet, hit the pause, come back later. Um, we're gonna start off by telling you, it's worth seeing. Go see yes, it. Yes, it is. 100%. All of us are in complete, total agreement with that. Go see it and all this, and then come back and listen to us talk, talk about what we liked and what we can critique about it. So Zach, movie file, Mr. Mr. Movie himself and all this. Yes. Let's let's get into the nitty-gritty about this and all this. Is this a greatest Marvel movie of all time? Where's it ranking up there? Uh, well I mean I definitely think that it should be at that ranking. I think it should be one of the best Marvel movies. I think it's up to you individually where you're gonna rank it. I think that I'm in the camp of Winter Soldier is a better movie, but for a team up big event movie, this one's going to be the best. And they're both done by the same people, the Russo brothers, so... Which can write any Marvel they movie are, from here on out. They're fantastic. Yeah, so, so saying, you know, so I'm not saying that... I, I won't say that one's better than the other. I'm just saying that they both deserve... Oh, I will. Uh, I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to put Winter Soldier above. Oh, I think, so am I. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're going to agree with there, but... Yeah, but that's not a... I'd say you have... If you're going to make a list... Only thing things fit only on one line, so something has to be above the other. Right. But yeah. uh, as it stands, I'm not going to just say that that. Yeah, kills not, this if somebody movie. says Civil War's the, their favorite Marvel movie, I'm not going to go. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I will. You what know, if they say Deadpool, um, then we can talk about that some other time. Uh, <laughs> wait, I just wanted to put that out there because I, I physically got to watch your mind clench and, it, and yes, get face in that position. Just like, yeah, so like I said, nice. I mean, we, was, we go into that some other time. Fun movie, really good Deadpool movie. I enjoyed it, not being a Deadpool fan, but greatest ever. Uh, 
that's the anyway. So 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 civil war. I can definitely <laughs> I I definitely think that uh, it, it can be it, it's you can say it is one of the best Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, however you want to rank it, however you want to talk about it, that's arguable. Uh, you know, whatever. That's fine. But it, it it is worth seeing. I think it was fantastic. I think that the way that they treated all the Avengers was fantastic. They all got their moment. I think that the, the same reason why people love the Avengers, I think this did it, but I also think that this brought way more, um, in my opinion, an emotional context to everything. Josh Whedon is very good at giving you the one great line from the character, show you who that character is, make you laugh with that character, and put him into action. This one actually dealt into betrayal and heartache and just just tons of different emotions throughout. Um, you know, worry, worrying about your powers. They did a little bit of everything in this movie, which is pretty surprising when you think about all the stuff that they did. I think that the, the it was very logical, which was which was so great about the movie. Sometimes when they do these movies, it can be really just leaps of logic into where people are coming from. And this one I thought did a really good uh, a really good way of showing where Cap's coming from, where Iron Man's coming from, and then going and then going from there with all the different characters. Uh, you know, and it's up to you to decide where you want to go. Because uh, uh, personally, for me, I was Team Cap at the beginning. I'm Team Cap at the end, and I don't see why anyone would be Team Iron Man. And there are people like one of my best you friends. Crazy. One of one of the one of the my best friends said it's Team Iron Man. He's right. Cap is 100 percent wrong. Uh, there's no other reason why you'd think Cap would be right. Who and so, that? Forrest. That's why he's not on the podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, but but there are other people out there, you know, and that's kind of been some of the fun outside of the movie is is what. So Forrest said that for somebody who's pretty anti-government, yeah, no, I was surprised. I was surprised. Forrest, yes, he said he went in. He's a conflicted fellow. (laughs) Yeah, he said he said he went in Team Cap, but at the end he was Team Iron Man, and uh, he can't believe that he would be Team Cap. No. I mean, he's, he's that I guy who's camping out doing the one percent thing. Understand. Really? But, but, that's, one of the, but, but okay. that's one of the. But that's a good thing about the movie is that people can feel so passionately, and there is arguments on both sides. Uh, it's not a clear cut. Iron Man is right, and Cap is wrong, or Cap's right, and Iron Man's wrong. Clear cut to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, Richie, Richie, mean potatoes. What's what's good about this movie? I mean, obviously what's good about this movie is the honest dedication to the characters themselves. I think when you heard about Spider-Man being in the movie, when you heard about, you know, Ant-Man being in the movie or Black Panther, the first thing everybody does as comic book readers is we go, can they do it right? And Marvel has an uncanny ability of, you know, at least getting to the closest representation or at least an agreeable presentation to everyone around. And... They do not disappoint again here. I think that the story, the for the movie in general, they have a great storyline. Civil War is a great concept on its own. The do you register, do you not concept. Do we hold them responsible and put them in a government faction, or are they free as vigilantes to do because they're more important than any government? That storyline alone helps you write something with content in it. So the trick to it is, can you do the heroes correctly and why they're joining and yeah. why they're going against each other? And is it, is it, is it 
meaty enough to where you care, but not get confused? And is yeah. it simple enough to where you can get the action that you need? And again, Marvel pulls that off. Yes, no, absolutely. They, uh, yeah, like you said, everybody got their moment. Everybody was was per was, like you said, at least as pitch perfect as they can be for for the movie. Uh, we've never seen Black Panther before um, in a movie. We've never seen him except for just in the comics, and they did him right. Yeah. So, so. Sean, uh, who's funnier, Ant Man or Spider Man? Personally, I like. I thought Ant Man was funnier. I love Ant Man. Um, I, love I did Man. actually really. This is the real thing. Spider-Man. Forget Team Cap, Team Iron Man. Like, <laughs> just, let's just throw that crap out. Let's go. Team, let's go. I love Iron uh, Man. Man versus yeah. Spider Man. So we've already gotten Ant Man in a movie. We've already turned around and seen his own movie on this. Uh-huh. Enjoyed. Everybody around the table, I think, is going to be in the same boat on that. That was another one that was just really well done as a Marvel movie and for character style for. Uh, we get our first flavor of Spider-Man here, of a yep. new version, another reboot, what, whatever we want to call it. It's just this is definitely a different Spider-Man yeah. than anything we've seen on. T- on uh, Can we just give it up to Sony real quick for that brilliance? They well, know the they fact can't that they realize another... they should let Marvel do. Well, not only that, but they can't I, do another reboot just movie, right? They money. can't do it. <laughs> Richie, I'm going to offer you something here in all this. You've got something I want. Uh, I'm willing to go out there and make money off of it and do all the work myself, and we're going to share the money. Are you, are you okay with that? Because yeah. uh, Sony saying okay to that um, benefits everybody Everyone. who wants to see yep. these movies. It also takes care of their first Spider-Man movie. They don't need to do a reboot or origin story because no. it's done. It's all done. They did it already. Yep. Get right into it. So yeah. now they can start. I, I really, as much of a Spider-Man fan I am not, mm-hmm. I absolutely enjoyed this version of Spider-Man, and it made this made me feel almost. It made me feel like a kid when I was reading Spider-Man, Absolutely. and I enjoyed it. You know, it, it made me feel like that basically. I so, didn't have a problem with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I'm yeah. okay with it. No, I liked him. I didn't have a okay. problem with the movies. I thought those were actually pretty pretty lined up pretty well. Uh, I do think that this guy feels more Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. Well, this time they, this time the they got the biggest kid. difference, though. Is his aunt? Oh yeah. Oh, hot aunt man. <laughs> hot aunt like, man. Yeah. Yeah, That's that crunchy aunt man. Oh, they, they, they play it up right there. Tony starts bringing it up inside that, the movie. Awesome. Right like, What's up with your hot aunt? Well, <laughs> that, that, that was something else I really loved is showing that. And they did this in the comic books, too, that Tony Stark and Peter Parker are kindred spirits, at least when it comes to inventing things and using their knowledge to further themselves and humanity. That's something they both do all the time. So they saw the kindred spirits there, and they did that in the movie, which I, which I really liked. And that was very poignant, but I want to get back to high and May. Um, <laughs> the, I, there's a Twilight Zone. It took me a second to recognize who that actress was, too. Yeah, there's a Twilight Zone moment here that we can also try to ignore, but is it that she's hot, or if we gotten old enough to where Aunt May's oh, dude, doable? Whatever. If you want to litmus test that one, let's go whip out, you know, the old the old Spider-Mans with Tobey Maguire. I'm pretty sure I no. still don't want to sleep with that Aunt May. Um, <laughs> Sally Field? I told her. Sally It's getting borderline. We're getting in a great you know, conversation here. Well, we were younger when the first Spider-Man came out. I'm that's, just saying. That's true. That as we 
age. What's, what's going to happen if gotten we hotter. constantly get older and anime constantly gets younger? Wow. Is this going to be like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what by the time it gets there, Miley Ray Cyrus is going to be too old for it. But I'm just saying. What if they make a trouble movie one yeah. of these days? Actually, that would be interesting. Well, wouldn't that be interesting? Anime is played by Mary Kate and Ashley. Oh, man. Man. Nobody would understand that what that movie, that was yeah. a comic book movie. Yeah, that would be that'd be interesting. Um, but all right, going back to uh, <laughs> Civil War. All right, yeah, back to Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, that was Civil War. Don't derail this conversation here. Because uh, I mean, they're, they're really downplaying Black Widow being that spectacularly hot. And we didn't yeah. even. I don't get, know, man. Every time uh, she was beating the hell out of somebody. I will, I will, okay. no, every time, every time Scarlett Johansson came on Black Widow and she was beating the hell out of somebody, that was hot. Every single time uh, for me. I, I was say, like, yeah, that's, me, you should keep doing that every single time. Agent 13, 13, I absolutely loved now, I gotta She was say, great. For me, Scarlet Witch. Uh, oh, man, I love Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Not me at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like Scarlet Witch a lot. For me, it was Black you, Panther, so you, I don't yeah. know. Hey. <laughs> just, just saying, Much every time you beat someone down. Much than I am with Scarlet Witches. There's the age things kicking in there. Definitely. Yeah, for me. she feels too young for... Yeah. I'm too creepy to me, that was just like, you are. you look like a lot of work. I'm, oh, that's I, a bad phrase. I'm, I'm well, not okay, doing that. Okay, phrase. Um, this one from Civil War. Elizabeth Olsen the hotties. Civil If they did not put hot women in this movie, this is not a fault. Yeah, I mean, we're not. We're not the ones that being held accountable. I'm really happy I got it there. I just. <laughs> that's but, so funny. I mean, I will agree that Black Widow was sexy, but nothing was sexier than Black Panther outfit, costume. And Black Panther movies. was awesome. The way they did him. Yeah, I I've always liked the character. Well, I like the I like the actor that played him a lot too. Oh yeah, he was uh, great. Yeah. Because he, he, he was Jackie Robinson in, uh, was it 42? Yeah. And, and he was James Brown. James Brown, yeah. Chadwick Boseman is his name. And he did the African accent, which, you know, which was so funny. I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's from Africa. He has to have an accent. And it was really, and it was really good. I, I like the character in the comic books. I've enjoyed it when he's shown up. I'm not a huge uh, Black Panther fan. I haven't read all the runs. I actually like don't that. know his history that well. I mean, I know a little bit about it because he's been in Fantastic Four, which is kind of more my thing. The, so he's shown the up. The last but, thing I read that I really enjoyed Secret was when he was in Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. It was Jason the whole Aaron, yeah. crazy weird Braveheart. Yeah, Jason Aaron. That was awesome. Uh, it was yeah. so awesome. Uh, quick aside, if you ever see that trade, Secret Invasion, Black Panther, fantastic. That's great. Fantastic. You can read that as a story that all by itself. Yes, you don't need to read anything else. <laughs> just that. That's fantastic. <laughs> but but after I saw this movie, I went, when's the Black Panther movie, and can it be now? Right. That's, Absolutely. That's I'm with you 100%. That's what I thought. When I when I saw the movie, I don't know. I keep wanting to get entertained, so I'll just take Ant Man too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, and I, I love, all run is perfect for that role. He's fantastic. Absolutely. There's just no missing him. Dude, I was yes. actually that was, that was one of the only parts in the movie where I got super excited when he's like, I'm like I tested this out in the yes. lab, but I this was crazy. He's gonna be Giant Man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was so <laughs> good. <laughs> like I'm so excited for this. Oh, because of toys coming out, I knew that that was gonna happen already. I'd heard about oh, that. So obviously, yeah. So. yeah, well. So yeah, that's and, awesome. and, and well, I heard I heard rumors. I I think I saw something like they were making a pop vinyl or something of like that that he was going to be Giant Man. Yeah, there was a pop and, vinyl announced in a sideshow. And you know, it makes sense or because hot toys. because if his power is that he can shrink, why can't he? why can't he go bigger? But I but the thing that did surprise me was when he did it because they set it up beautifully. Him running across that little platform on the 
that he uh, the the ramp for airplanes, and he's just running and running. And he's talking, and you're going, "What is this guy gonna do? Why isn't he doing anything?" And then he turns into Giant Man, and that was and they did it old school style. He's moving all slow like the fifty uh, foot woman. Uh-huh. He wasn't super quick. Uh, that was that was, what was great. The, what was the one where they all taken down? Is that Gulliver's Travels when they take yeah. out the giant and all that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, and then they brought up yeah. Empire Strikes Back in the movie. Yeah. yeah. They're like, the, yeah, it's fire. Goes, did you ever see that really old movie? That, yeah, Empire really Strikes Back. Yeah. And everyone goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I. That's how good the writing was. Is you have Ant Man, and there are three major points of Ant Man. Just Ant Man, which is, in the grand scope of things, a small part of this movie. Yes. I needed three things. One was he turns into a tiny ant and he messes with like the inside of Iron Man stuff. Great. It's your conscience. Two, yeah. That sounds funny. That was awesome. Two was he has to get shot off in an arrow, obviously by oh, Hawkeye. So I mean, good. That happens all oh, the time. Oh, and I was really happy to see him show back up. Because right. oh, okay. I didn't really speak that he was going to be in the movie yeah, much. And then he pops good. in and I was like, yeah. It's cool. good. That's good. And then Giant Man. Yes. And they deliver on all points. Yes, they do. Perfectly. And it didn't feel like it was forced. No. It was just... Well, and then also when they first introduced him, when he comes out of that van... It's that same. It, it's that same kind of humor that they did in the Ant Man movie. Right. That kind of off kilter, weird but funny moment, and they gave that to hey, him. We're gonna do some illegal stuff. And this that he's just like, okay. The fact that they brought him in a van in general is hilarious. Well, and, and, he, and he keeps shaking his hand. Right. Goes, I'm shaking your hand too much. Right. You know, and they did that in the Ant Man movie where it was off kilter, a little offbeat humor, which I loved. I loved that movie. But they did that, and they, and they did little parts of that throughout. Some of this definitely felt like when Iron Man um, came out of the helicopter. It's like all the other times in the Iron Man movies we've seen him suit up. So they did that really well, is that they melded all the different flavors that they've done in the other movies into this one, but not making it feel like, oh, we have to do this because we gotta, or something like that. Yeah. Marvel, Marvel's built their cohesive universe. Yeah. They're playing with it, you know, as if it's seamless. They're doing that well. That's that's all across the board. For the record, this is all takes place as I call it the airport fight. And yes. And the airport fight. Once it was done, I wanted to walk out. I was done with the movie. I was like, this is. There's no way that gets better. I got. I gotta say, the twist. It gets better. The twist was so good. I, I thought was, that was a little bit heavy. I thought the twist was contrived. But I agree oh, with you. That's I mean, see, I was, it was killing me we because spoilers. when we walked out, we're not spoilers. No, yeah, well, when we walked out of the movie theater, I was like, "There's something that's bothered me about this movie. I liked it, but there's there's something in the back of my head, and I can't put put my finger on it. And it was the heavy handedness of the twist that was it really okay. It was foreshadowed. It was foreshadowed deeply. It was foreshadowed, and then it was delivered. Here's the thing: like you see the trailers ahead of time, you know that there's actually a fight in there where Iron Man is trying to punch Cap, and at the surface you're like, "There's it doesn't get to this level. It doesn't get right. that deep into it, right?" Even as the twist being, the airport, you're like, "It's not. The stakes aren't high enough." Yeah. The yeah. twist being, you know, Bucky killed um, Iron Man's parents. And specifically, yes. and Iron Man's Cap mom. Cap knew about it. And Cap knew about it. And at that point in time, Iron Man goes, he's blind he's rage. Says, I knew. But, I knew. But I didn't yeah, know who it was. He knew that. No, he knew. He no, knew he it was Bucky. He's like, did you know? And he's like, man, man. He's like, did you know? And he goes, yeah. And so it was there. And so my point is like the idea of when are these two going to get so mad at each other, they're actually going to punch Oh, oh, there it is. Killed your mom. Yeah. 
the emotional part of that was so good because there's a scene in there where Cap says you know he, he wasn't under his own uh, volition he was being you know uh, he was being brainwashed he, you know it was his body but it wasn't him I don't and Iron Man says he killed my mom that's it. That's all he said. I don't care that that's, that's the, the, the plot point is not the problem. The three lead-ups to it throughout the movie well, that were so... It was, like I said, it was just very... We were, we were going we to knock Batman Superman for showing us once again that Bruce Wayne's parents turned around and died in an alley and he was there as a young child. Yeah, we all knew that. Okay, the way that this led up and those three points and all this kind of stuff, it was a little of a groan. That's if you if we're gonna be fair to the movie and knock it for a couple points and all this, like that, I'm gonna be a little well, bit on the groan. The thing that I liked is that they've alluded to something bad happening to Tony Stark's parents since the first Iron Man. So it there does have precedence before this movie that something bad happened. We just didn't know what it was, was until this. I will say that for me. I'm okay. I, the thing about Marvel in general is the same. Is the argument I have about Batman vs Superman is Marvel spoon feeds you their yeah. their big twist always because they don't want to lose you. So oh, they definitely you, spoon yeah, feed yeah, you. Yeah, they, they totally spoon feed it. But in my in my <laughs> argument, I feel that the twist changes the stance of the team cap because the whole thing is that they're above the government. And they are working together outside of that UN because of the, you know, corruption. Well, that's the, he puts it very well when he says, like when Cap says, government's change. Right. So who am I going to be working for in the future? If I sign this, and right. this is yeah. my, the rest yep. of my life, so now you government's have, change. So now you have Cap standing on information that if you were government-run, they would probably hold back because... They don't know how Iron Man would react to that, so let's keep it back. And does the very same thing. Yeah, but is that more of a human nature type trait, or is it a it's, government political trait? It's not a... No, no, I get what Richie's saying here in all this, is that the cleanliness to say that you're team cap and, team, and, and the idea that we're... We're clean because we're just heroes. That's all we are. There's no, you know, there's no the interference Avengers, in all this kind of stuff. How many Avengers. people would still yeah. defend Bucky if they knew that Bucky killed Tony Stark's parents? Like, would yeah, everybody still is, be on the same team? I, I know we have a friend who thinks life is very black and white. Yes. And I completely disagree. Life, to me, is very gray areas, which is why I can understand Cap's stance on things. Right. I'm not saying you... No, no, I get it. I'm fine with Cap's stance. So, but, you know, does... Well, even with that happening, even with knowing that information, I don't know. I well, still... I, well, it's a, for me, being Team Cap... At, at the end of the day, I still am Team Cap. I felt it was a it was a human thing, and he even said that in the letter to Tony Stark that he kept it because he didn't want to hurt his friend, and you know, and he said that's a weakness of mine. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem that he held it. I don't at all. Right. And yeah. I think that they set up uniquely in between all the other characters who are Team Cap that they had a reason to be Team Cap on their own. You know, you've got Falcon, who is just best buds, ready to go with you. That's the way it is. You have uh, Scarlet Witch, who they is she's angry that they're making decisions for her, right? And go down that road and all this. And you have Ant Man, who has connections to those guys, but not necessarily has no connections to the other side. Nobody yeah. even knows about him. I, think I like Ant Man and Spider Man both, where they were just kind of recruited 
for being recovered. Oh, yeah. Like, they were like, oh, well, I was told that you're wrong, so you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was Spider-Man's well, I don't know. Our part there. I am, man, was like, he's, he really liked Captain America. Oh. Totally. So, well, he's I really like Mr. Right. Stark. Right. Well, I the one that did kind of blow me away, which I understood why she went, was Black Widow. I, I understood her motivations for going, but then it's still at the end of the day, she's Black Widow. I don't. She's think, not really technically going to be tied to any one faction. No, I, I, I kind of got, I kind of walked away with it at the end that Black Widow was Team Cap from the beginning. No, she was Team Cap, and but she was, was basically whole, going along to get along when she initially signed the paper because it's going to happen anyway. Why not do it now and yeah. see if we can do better? But then you see what's going on on that side, and well. Well, I got the impression that she would either sign the if if Cap came along, then she signs along because it's all part of the team. If Cap doesn't come along, she signs along to cover Cap's back. Oh yeah. And that it wasn't even anything about that. She she is again playing the chess game about who's who inside this and and setting it up to to be in that area. It's. It gets kind of glossed over anybody who chooses Team Iron Man inside the movie. All those characters that are part of Team Iron Man, you know, War Machine and things like that. They don't have to have a big reason to choose that because it just seems like a logical step, right? You know, it's just a logical thing to get into that and to to be there. You're not fighting for anything. You're just kind of flowing along. So you don't have to really consider that for a lot of those, those players. You have to consider it for anybody who's going against the grain. Right. And so with that included, we should talk about the Iron Man Captain America fight. Which no, yes. cinematically there were a couple scenes where I just lost my bananas. Well there was a, a lot of money paid to Autogradov for that one because oh, yeah. oh my god, there was so much there that was straight off of right. covers cover and, cover, yeah. and all this and that was that was some of the best straight from comic book imagery. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this entire movie, top down, used a lot of straight from comic book imagery. You know, that, again, back to Ant-Man on an arrow, being shot and all this. There was a lot inside there that were directly, oh, yeah. you know, from all that. Yeah, and that, that slow down shot of the shield versus Pulsers was, was awesome. Uh, but again, so and that's another thing I want to bring seven, up. In Civil War, that's the cover. Well, and that that's one of the, it is. Uh, there's that, but also the thing that I love that Marvel does is that they use the same sort of powers or same sort of things in different contexts through their movies. Right. In Avengers, thing, in Avengers, yeah. uh, Iron Man uses Cap Shield to uh, you know get the. Uh, um, Shatari? The Shatari, yeah. They did that, but this time they're against each other. Uh, in Iron Man 2, he uses that red laser beam to cut things. And then in Avengers, he used that to cut uh, some of the steel off of the helicarrier. And in this one, he does it to try and crush uh, Captain America under some, some rubble, uh, you know, some stone rubble. So they keep using that, and they keep using it in different ways. And I just love that because I went, oh, that's the fourth time I've seen it, but this time it's, you know, against Cap. And or whatever it is, they, they do that, which I really like. Yeah. They keep that continuity. Agreed. Um, so I, I'm curious to know, what, what were some of your favorite moments? What lines, what things that you really liked? I'm pretty liked? sure we hit a lot of those no, points. I know, but I mean, like, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, there are some things that uh, I really love the Cap-Spider-Man exchange. Uh, yeah. Hey, where are you from? Queens on Brooklyn. Right. That was... Uh, that was great. Uh, the, movie's, the movie's set up for the fights. And so inside yes. the fights, you get to have all of those 
those little barbs, just everything inside that. I mean, the movie's set up for yes. that. It's of all the Marvel movies, and this is probably why I just rank it a little bit behind Rear Soldiers. Rear Soldier was about plot, story, depth, characters, things like this. Well, that was just it, all in all, it was just a good espionage movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this this yeah. was closer to popcorn, Completely. blockbuster yeah. type oh, yeah. flick in, in, in that area, and that's where it it, uh, it it's driving instruction is. So you get a lot of those pieces all at the same time. No. I actually had to explain to someone because. They were confused on why Cap would be anti-government. And I said, well, you could, in just the movie universe, show that he was like, all right, I'm with S.H.I.E.L.D., let's do this, just to find out that all of S.H.I.E.L.D. was Hydra. And maybe, just maybe, that if you watched Winter Soldier, you'd understand why he's like, you know what, no government. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, Cap's always been about freedom. And any time government or otherwise wants to impose on that freedom, bullies. he doesn't. He doesn't, and he's never. That was that was another part. Was the uh, I could do this all day, which is leading back to the very first Cap movie, uh, which I loved. I thought and that was fantastic. As for favorite part for me, uh, a couple of the girls that were with us didn't like Agent Thirteen. Why? So I didn't like the love story. Oh no, it's actually yeah, all I, over the comic books. Right? I had this. I had that argument, but I understand the opinion on movie. If you're not reading the comics, I told you one of my DCU online characters was named Agent 13. <laughs> yeah, so I I told them that that love scene, forced or not, was worth it 100 percent just for the buddy thing. Yeah, where he's like, can you move? No. Well, love, and then the hit bomb, the hit bomb that they give. Right. Yeah. That was well, that was yeah. Really Both of those yeah. were. <laughs> It, it had its roots even back to Winter Soldier. You know, like it's oh, yeah. it 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 was it was good for that. I think it's because most of the girls that I know are huge big Carter fans. And Oh because um, of the T V show? Yes. Oh gotcha. So they take that into that kind of well, just I like, Right. <laughs> <laughs> so but the love story is worth it just for that scene of the book. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. The, the the tiny moments of superheroes doing normal things get really tickled. Should we Absolutely. should we Astro, Astro City? We like it. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, like so my, my favorite, my personal favorite part of the entire movie, uh, this is me personally, I'm not going to try and say anybody else needs to like it or whatever, is when he's talking to Bucky and they talk about buying hot dogs back in the 40s and them joking. That exchange, that friendship right there, was that was, that was it for me. Let's transition the look now and let's turn around and talk about yeah. Civil War the movie versus Civil War the comics. Because... Marvel now has a standing, uh, I don't want to say policy, but a, pa- a pattern now of using comic book source material and doing it well. Um, yeah. This was, when announced, easily the most ambitious one you could go after. And the big reason is, is that this would be the first time the Marvel Cinematic Universe was trying to take on a major crossover. A, an event that, that the scope and the scale were what were, were much bigger. And Civil War stands, what, 2006, right? Yeah, uh, yeah 2006, yeah. It stands as Marvel's kickoff of turning around and trying to do a company-wide summer event. So in comic books, they, they chose to turn around and do this and, and go company-wide and try to make the blockbuster event and be involved in that level. 
bringing it to the cinema when obviously the conversation is like you don't own all those characters. Right. You, That's the first thing. Even if you magically tomorrow own all those characters, how do you cram all those characters into one movie? How do you get all that plot elements in there? So right away, editorial has to come through for the movie side and make a decision about what happened there. So let's talk top down about where this stacks up and how close, how true, how faithful, where they miss, you know, let's let's give it the critique. Sean, you, you read the whole thing. You know, we... we this is I think a very we, while ago. I read it when it came out, obviously. So there's going to be some gaps in my memory of what it's, happened. It's 10 years. It's, yeah. it's 2006 was when I, I had taken a hiatus from comics in like 2002 to 2004. And I jumped right back into 2006. So it was my first push into Marvel and realizing that universe again and kind of grasping it. So I understand it. It's still shady in the back of my head. It, it holds a special memory for me. I remember how brilliant it was and how deep it took me on the well, and that, that's another thing I was going to say is that I think that this is probably Marvel's most famous uh, crossover out of anything that they've done since, even, because I remember when it came out, I, I was in high school, and cheerleaders, teachers, people knew that I was in the comic books, said, hey, what's the Civil War thing? And I, they would ask me, and this was before I was buying weekly comics, I was just buying trades, so people would ask me all the time uh, for a couple months there, what's the Civil War thing about? What's, why are they angry at each other? So, I mean, it's that big that it went throughout. It did. It went, it went mass media. It went beyond. It was, I think it was Marvel's first foray into seriously doing TV spots for the story, that kind of thing. Well, and, I, and, uh, I think this was that that this yeah, was the breakthrough. This was the the event can absolutely be the bring comics out of the basement moment, right? And, um, and get to that. Yeah, so, the, the guy who wrote it, uh, Mark Miller, the guy who did um, Kick Ass for people who may have seen that movie. Uh, Steve McNiven did the art, uh, so two of the biggest creators were on it. Uh, so I mean, I guess. The biggest thing is uh, the Cap Iron Man fight is basically the same. It's basically the same of pro-government, anti-government. That stayed the same. The kickoff event, um, way different with you know, the difference between the new war and the comic books. The new warriors were a reality TV show, and they were hunting down some villains and being reckless at it. And one of the villains that they hunt down, Nitro explodes and blows up in elementary school. 600 dead, um, they, that's the event. But for the movies, to make was it the, work. Was the town in Connecticut that they blew it up? Um, Stanford? Yeah. Yep, yep Stanford. Yep. Yep. Um, so in movies, when you have the moment where uh, Crossbones is going nuclear right there and, and Scarlet Witch throws him away to, to save the day, you get a similar effect where there's innocence lost yes. because of a fight going on and all this. It's not as clean, and it's a little bit no. more pro the you know the the side of the Avengers in the movie because um, they're 100% doing you know whatever it is to to keep it safe. And in the moment, you can even make an argument that if she doesn't do that, you know he goes off in the street, uh-huh. potentially yeah. kills more people. Yeah, you know like. You, you, you clearly get into a situation. Now, you, you're still going to fall back and say, well, what if they were never there? You know, what if they weren't chasing these people down doing all this stuff? But event-wise, I think that I think for translation, I think that was pretty good. Like, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't think you turn around and, and get the same... I think you conveyed the same idea 
-hmm. with as clean as cleanly as you could in into but the you didn't have cap riding an F fifteen down out of the sky. <laughs> they kind of did that winter soldier. They did that winter soldier. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I know. Which, I'm which kidding. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. That's one of the things. I mean, we'll get more into it, but but they did a good job of keeping the emotional beats or the beats that quote unquote mattered in the story not doing exact translation you know just from the comic exactly the same way but they still did the moments in that series in the movie just differently but like you said in that same kind of way you get you get a lot of similarity you know with yes. where like you said cap escapes on the yeah 14 right well they're escaping out of the the facility there when when bucky's uh, you know, running out on the loose and in that direction, uh, you get the the Iron Man Spider Man relationship. Yep. Uh, the beginning of it, real similar. Uh -huh. You lose a large point in the uh, Spider Man coming out to the world. Yes. You know, this was a major moment inside the Civil What's War. The inside Marvel Comics, it was a major moment. Yes, Peter Parker is Spider Man out to everybody. That whole thing. They quickly in the Spider-Man universe put it back in the can. It's like, we'll let that one slide for yeah. this conversation. But um, it doesn't bring that into this movie. Doesn't make any sense. Like no. nobody has a relationship to be outed. Not many of them even have secret identities. <laughs> right this in this universe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. losing that. Plot well, they dealt with that all the way back in Iron Man One. But, but again, tell him, don't tell anybody you're Iron Man. He's straight up so yeah, I'm Iron Man. But again, they, they didn't do the reveal, but they did have the character that flip-flopped. Like Spider-Man. Oh, no, no, yeah, the, the, the element there that I was going to get to next was the Iron Man, the betrayal of Spider-Man to Iron Man's side inside yeah. the comics. Right. Because Peter Parker and Spider-Man feel like it's going the wrong way. Well, you get the flip-flop with Black Widow. Yep. Yes. A um, little bit more natural in the movie than even the comic books because there's yeah. just a, you know, she's naturally the double agent. Mm -hmm. She naturally fits into that. Mm -hmm. So you get that. Um, another big moment that happened right before that inside the comic books was the death of Goliath. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden Thor's back, even though it's not Thor, it's the robotic Ragnarok. Um, but you get the shot into the air that kills Goliath. Well, they did very similar with the, the vision you know, shooting off. And for all the little, little similarities you want to draw to that, that's actually pretty good. I mean, you've got a robot again, you know, somebody who's not human to take the blame for taking the shot, takes a shot and knocks War Machine out of the sky because it was just errant and all this and almost ends up in a catastrophe. So, again, another, I'm going to say, pretty good translation. I would agree. Yep. Uh, to bring that through. Uh, you lose the Punisher moment. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say. He becomes I, just a complete whack job. Yeah, I love that. I love that <laughs> moment. Spider-Man's leaving. Spider-Man's fleeing through the sewers and all this. He is being hunted down because, you know, some of the people signed up on Team Iron Man were villains. He's getting hunted down by some of his villains who are just going to beat the trash out of him. Right. What happens? Punisher shows up, saves the day, and because he's just totally against this idea of letting the villains off the hook. Goes back to Cap's compound, sees that there's a villain there, and what happens? 
he uh, mows them down. Just, just yeah. execution he mows, style. Yeah, and he mows them down in front of Cap, and Cap goes, you cannot be here. You can't be here if you're going to kill people. You lose this point. Again, probably another easy cut when you're trying to translate the right. the, the book to the, to the movie. And then now you're really back to the, you know, the ultimate fight, the ultimate... Thing inside inside of it, so you get your big fight. You get like you like you mentioned, you get this big fight. Uh, I didn't mind the whole Zemo's uh, motivation inside the movie. No, I, I liked him. I liked him a lot. Uh, I thought. Yeah, I wanted to be wearing a purple rug. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but you know he's gonna he's gonna be back. He's definitely gonna be back. They set it up so that he he's gonna be back. Uh, and in fact, I think it, even uh, some of the executives from Marvel said yes, he's gonna be back. He's gonna be in a bigger. Um, Is he gonna be back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be back because he's just in prison. So. Um, well, and somebody's gotta create these other rules. And I didn't. Well, I didn't mm-hmm. mention, but mm-hmm. this was an empire. Movie. Yes, yeah. Yep. We ended on a bad note. Yep. Uh, well, actually, this is my strongest point about differences. This is my strongest yes. thing. Right. Yes. Is the end. Yes. Because yes, the end of so war. The comic book ending. Mark Miller sucked. <laughs> I'm sorry to say <laughs> this. The whole to me didn't end until Captain America 25. That was the ending. That was the actual yeah, but the whole. Laying down the shield. Yeah, the walking yeah, away because yeah, he looks around and he sees, look at all the destruction we've wrought. I give up. Okay. What? That's fine. That's true. That doesn't make Iron Man right. That doesn't no. make the entire thing. And for all the little things that were being pointed out during Civil War, war about <laughs> Iron Man constantly was going down the road of for the greater good, for the greater good, for the greater good. Yes. How many evils? for the greater good are acceptable until all of a sudden the greater good has been overshadowed. In the comics, I would say that Iron Man was almost clearly the evil. Like, it was... Oh, yeah, they played it up for a while. It was very tough to be Team Iron Man. I didn't know anybody that liked Iron Man, honestly. I I can argue... Iron Man side on the movie side much better than I did oh, yeah. back in the day of the yes. comics. I'm one of those guys that takes. Well, that was that was one of the other heavy-handed points to me in the movie was when they he was at the college and the lady's like, "Well, here's my son." Well, and that's like, was the, oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm better with that than the comic pointing out all of the money that Iron Man was making uh, through being the a, initiative. Yeah. My, that reminded me of the the mural that Iron Man went to in the comic books. And was approached by that lady that was like, who's going to fall for this? So, I mean, it was there. Yeah, well, and also Tony Stark, um, he sometimes with, you know, as, as a character, he sometimes needs something pointed out to him pretty straightforwardly. Sometimes he's not thinking about it, not because, you know, he doesn't care, but he's thinking about, you know, protecting the future and raising humanity. Uh, he, did, he, he needed that moment of uh, somebody coming up to him and humanizing it to the point, to the letter for him. I mean, for him, I thought that it made sense because he has such an ego that he doesn't think about those things. I'm usually. honestly waiting. They could have flipped this and ended it with Iron Man putting down his gauntlets mm. at this point and being like, I've done nothing in this universe but cause problems. Invasion, <laughs> <laughs> Ultron, and even in this case, you got everybody arrested. <laughs> yeah, I would have felt that more out of place and I would have felt that way more towards pandering towards the Hollywood side of the Marvel Empire because of the fact that we're not sure where Tony Stark's going to be in any other movies. Uh, sure. That would have oh, felt yeah. way more of 
this guy doesn't want to do this movie anymore. We're gonna sure. we're gonna change it up and make you this his exit. Uh, I thought the transition at the end of that caps on the outside. Who knows who's you know was still with Cap and they're still on the outside and all this, and then they can go in any which different direction and not have to worry about the rest. I thought that transition was much smoother. I'm like, explaining to someone that the whole cell phone foreshadowing is for in two movies from yes. now when he picks up that cell phone, we're all gonna go. He's gonna call Cap. That's right. That's right. For the Avengers <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's or, gonna call the Secret Avengers. Right. You know yeah. what? If if Cap thought it was that far out, I hope Cap included the power charger in it because I didn't see that in the box. <laughs> no, that's that cell phone's out of juice. Ain't that about it? If Iron Man can make a goddamn whole entire suit that covers his body, I'm sure he can figure out how to charge a phone. Have you <laughs> ever tried to charge a phone when you don't have the correct charger? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I can build. I can build something to keep me alive and put it in my chest, but I can't charge my phone. <laughs> that's all. Awesome. No, but like you said, in both the comic and the movie, uh, Cap laid down his shield. Uh, they both did that, but in the comic, it was to give up. Yeah, in the movie, it was a lot different. That's my father's shield. He's like, fine, okay. He's like, fine. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on that. Yeah. I'm not going to defend that I was in the right. Yep. I'm, and, and he leaves and says, I'm hey, still going to defend my, my friend here. This is yep. still what's important to me. Which, I, which, which was good. Ten points, scale, I'm going to give it eight. I agree. I would put it right around eight, and it's pretty much where they stay, Marvel. They stay around at eight. I'd go probably a little bit lower, but not much. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I would give it, uh, I would definitely give it probably maybe an eight or a nine. I think it's, if you want to have the discussion. Contents to the. On the contents, yeah, I think, I think that they did really well with, with, um, with the emotional beats. And even like I said, they even took some of the things that we didn't like in the comic and make made it make more sense. And like you said, make it more logical. So for them to do that, that's that's really good. I think. I think we all recommend it. If you haven't seen it, see it. Hopefully, if you haven't seen it, you didn't listen to us. Just run it all for you. Yep. <laughs> but, okay. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's gonna wrap today's episode up. That yep. Put two in the can, uh, and we will lead into three next week. Not only will we have our standard news not only will i have our standard picks we're going to be here prepping towards that dc rebirth and we want to talk about the top five stories of dc whatever it's open field this is going to be just throw down the gauntlet put your position out there and defend yep if if someone came to you and says hey i've never been into dc i want to read some back history or i just want to read some really good dc stories what are some that you would Personally, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. So the top five. <laughs> Once a year, it always happens, Sean. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> we'll have that. We'll have your opinions about what's going to be good with the DC Rebirth. Yep, that'll be coming out. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.